Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, October 21st, 2022. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So the world's largest publishing conference has returned to the famous Frankfurter Messer, Andrew. Throughout this week, publishers, editors, agents, and authors from across the globe traveled to Frankfurt, Germany for the annual Frankfurt Book Fair. 2022 is the first fully live post-pandemic show since 2019. I'm speaking today from Frankfurt, Andrew, and you're in New York City. I miss having you here. Uh, I miss being there. I have to confess, I really am missing the fair. Uh, if you hear a little banging in the background, it's because I am in New York City. In the constant state of New York is people banging on something here. So I apologize in advance. Uh, I'd rather be banging down a beer and talking with my colleagues in Frankfurt. But I've been following the reporting. I've been following my colleagues who are there through our show dailies. And it really sounds like people are very happy to be back in what really is, as you mentioned, the sort of first normalish version of the Frankfurt Book Fair since the pandemic. You know, my colleague John Marr wrote this week, and it's his first Frankfurt, by the way, so I'm happy for John. I hope it's the first of many for him. But he wrote that, you know, despite all that's going on in the world, we have the still the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, the war in Ukraine, of course, the protests in Iran, and these worldwide supply chain and economic issues and skyrocketing inflation. Nevertheless, the prevailing mood at Frankfurt seems to be this sort of, and he called it a giddy gratitude. You know, it sounds like people are happy to be back seeing their friends and international colleagues in person and to discuss deals over a table instead of a screen. And of course, you know, to travel and to maybe enjoy life a little bit after what's been some of a hard, you know, last few years. What we hear is that the fair is hoping for about 70% of what normal attendance was before the pandemic. Sounds like they're on track to get there. I've also heard that deals volume has been very good at the fair this year. So that's encouraging. And I'm also hearing that the happy mood appears to be applying a little bit more to the North Americans than to the Europeans at the fair. And that probably owes a little bit to the strength of the dollar against the euro. Uh, and also that Europe is just in such kind of a tenuous state at the moment, right? You've got you know the UK in a political meltdown and war on the continent, of course, with Ukraine. But I think people are really excited to be together. Um, you know, Jamie Bing, who of course is the CEO and publisher of Canongate, told uh, my colleagues that publishing is all about connections and collaborations. And Frankfurt does that kind of stuff really well. Frankfurt revels in it. In fact, it kind of insists upon it. And I also read with interest a quote from an agent from Curtis Brown telling my PW colleagues that Frankfurt is the beating heart of publishing. And whoever says that they're really glad they couldn't come this year is lying. <laughs> well, I'm not lying. I'm really sad that I can't be there this year. I look forward to coming back in 2023. And one more thing I should mention, too, is that more than the publishing industry, I think the world needs a good, strong Frankfurt Book Fair. You know, over the decades, the fair has really become a vital showcase for the power of the written word and for the freedom to read and the freedom to publish. And in many ways, I'd argue for freedom itself. And this year, with Ukraine literally fighting to the death for its democracy and those brave activists standing up for their rights in Iran, the publishing community, the world, I think, really needs this kind of platform to show the power of free speech and the power of ideas. Uh, so there's there's that too. Not just that the publishing industry is happy to be together. I think it's good for the world that the publishing industry 
guests together and touts its values. Our show dailies, of course, from the fair are available for free on the Publishers Weekly website. You can check out our fair wrap-up on Monday. And if you're in Frankfurt, please hoist a beer for me. I, I hope I'll be able to see you there next year. Well, Andrew, I have to say, if the world needs the Frankfurt Book Fair, we need you here at the Frankfurt Book Fair, and we hope you can join us next year with uh, with all the best luck in the world. And I may be here in Germany, but I've stayed connected to news from the United States, of course. And in Missouri this week, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft proposed a new protection of minors rule for public libraries. Yes. Yeah, so as other countries battle for their rights, here we are in the U.S. with our own little bit of a dumpster fire when it comes to the freedom to read. Uh, we've been, of course, covering uh, the sort of book bannings and uh, educational gag orders and other things that have really been impinging librarians and, and activists, say, on, on the freedom to read here. Well, this week, uh, we learned a little bit more about Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft's plan to introduce a new rule that he says is going to protect minors in the state's libraries. But librarians say that this unwieldy new rule is purely a political act. And another example of the ongoing sort of nationwide attack on the freedom to read that's being waged under the guise of, quote, parental rights. So I'll tell you a little bit about the rule. Specifically among its provisions, it would require the Missouri State Library, which falls under the purview of the Secretary of State, to certify collection development policies for all the public libraries in the state as a condition of receiving state funds. Furthermore, the rule would bar age-inappropriate materials in any form from being displayed in areas that are found to predominantly serve minors. And it also appears to require librarians to somehow find a way to enforce individual parent or guardian's decisions about what their minor child can access or check out from the library. Now, two notes on that last point. One is that a minor under this rule is defined as anyone under the age of 18. So imagine a 17-year-old who wants to check out a book, perhaps something involving sexuality, right? And the librarian having to say, um, sorry, your mom says you can't. How exactly is that going to work? Well, we don't know. And furthermore, how exactly does that work in the larger sense of things, right? Because minors still have First Amendment and privacy rights, and libraries are obligated to uphold those rights. Uh, the rule would also require an age-appropriate designation for events and programs, and it would mandate the adoption of a challenge policy in which, and I'm quoting from the, the rule here, any person can dispute the library's age-appropriate designation on any presentation, event, material, or display in a library. Uh, Secretary of State Ashcroft said that when state dollars are involved, they just want to bring a little local control and parental involvement. Those are the key words there, I think, and determining what children are exposed to. And he went on to say, you know, yeah, we want to make sure libraries have the resources and materials that everyone needs, that all a library's constituents need. But we also want children to be children a little longer than pervasive, our pervasive culture often dictates. And that's an exact quote. I'm not making that up. Ashcroft went on to defend his rule to the local CBS affiliate there, 13KRCG, insisting that this isn't a book banning rule. It simply requires that age-inappropriate material is kept away from children. It can be as simple as putting it up on a higher shelf. That's what he told the station. But it's not so simple. Librarians inside and outside the state are expressing a lot of concern over this vaguely written rule. Uh, Claudia Young, who's the director of the Missouri River Regional Library System and the current president of the Missouri Library Association, told that same station, this, that same CBS affiliate, that the proposal actually came without any warning to librarians 
And it's caused a lot of questions and confusion uh, to set in. Perhaps the most pressing question Young noted is, who really decides what is inappropriate in a library? Well, that really does seem to be the question, Andrew, doesn't it? Any answers yet? No. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, we, we, there are no answers to that, but we do have some vague idea about what this new rule is really about. It really is part of this nationwide surge in book challenges as a way to motivate conservative voters. This really does seem politically motivated because proponents of the policy, like Ashcroft, say this is just about keeping obscene materials out of kids' hands. And who would be against that? But then we look at the data from all of these things that are going on across the country and all of the stuff that is being challenged and labeled obscene is stuff that involves the LGBT community and race. Now, librarians are also quick to point out that there's no need for the state to certify that librarians have collection development and challenge policies in place because they all do. No, what this policy really does is create the impression that there is a problem in libraries, which has proven to be somewhat politically useful to certain politicians. Now, at press time, the Missouri State Library hasn't commented on this proposed rule. And that silence, I think, speaks volumes about how they feel about it. But other state librarians were not so shy. They were quick to emphasize that. And I'll quote Jeremy Johansson here, who's the executive director of COSLA. COSLA, of course, is the chief officers of state library agencies. It's a national organization representing state library leaders. Jeremy told me that the proposed rule in Missouri is, in effect, a solution in search of a problem. Every librarian, he says, is dedicated to protecting children. They have policies in place. They have challenge policies in place. But by putting forth this rule, Missouri is sort of suggesting that libraries are not safe and that librarians and library boards are not doing their job and that these proposed rules are in practice actually going to embolden a minority element in many communities to deluge libraries with frivolous book challenges and to needlessly undermine the trust in Missouri's dedicated librarians. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on Missouri, especially because things like this tend to take root and spread into other states. So we'll be paying attention to it uh, here at Publishers Weekly. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program today. My pleasure, as always. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening to this Velocity of Content podcast from CCC. Mm-hmm.